Hello, thanks for checking out Covenant's podcast. Our prayer is that God uses this message to impact your life. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Well done. Well done once again for waking up uh, super early. Uh, it's like uh, it's like it takes some adjusting. Like it's actually really 8:30 right now. Uh, so we've been up for quite a while. Um, and uh, I'm just excited. I, I'm just looking at all of this, and I looked at the men's uh, men's retreat video, and I was like, when if we go, will will we come out looking like that? <laughs> Like, is it, are we going to be chiseled and ripped, you know, <laughs> or is that a fake ad? Um, so we're, we're in a, a two-part uh, sermon here this, uh, uh, these last two weeks, and um, uh, it's called The Bread of Life, and we're going in and looking at uh, Jesus fe- feeding the multitudes. Really, we're in John chapter 6, and we're looking at the different things that happened in John chapter 6, and last week, uh, we, we saw this miracle. Jesus fed the, the multitudes, and we saw that the source of the miracle uh, was the, most, the least unlikeliest source. We saw that uh, we cannot judge what people carry in their hearts because whatever it is you carry, even if it's small, in Jesus' hands it is powerful. And that God can use whatever we're willing to give up and bring to him. Uh, this week, the story drastically changes. If last week was uh, the dinner, this week is uh, dessert. And I mean dessert not in uh, sweet sweets that you eat after dinner, but people literally desert Jesus by the end of the chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, they're weathering a storm to follow him. By the end of the chapter, they're leaving him. And the tension in that is this word that comes up when we think of being, being, being left, rejection. Rejection is a hard thing to face, it's a hard thing to take in, and um, I was thinking about this last night. Last night, uh, before the service, around about four o'clock, I'm getting ready, I got my Bible and my notes, and I'm standing in the parking lot, uh, way back back at the back end by the trailer, and uh, someone looked at me and they saw me, and I was like, man, I've never seen someone so happy to see me. Like from a distance, they looked like they were ecstatic. They were so excited to see me. And they jumped in their car and started driving like at like frantic speed in that parking lot to come and say hi to me. And I was standing there with, uh, with a coworker, Zane, and, uh, and, I, and I was just thinking to myself in my head, Zane must be thinking, geez, like Rob must be like this. Who's Rob? Like this is just Rob. Like this person's driving, driving, driving. And when they get to me, uh, I see that their face starts to lose a little bit of that excitement and they stop their car, roll down their window and they go, oh, I thought you were Pastor Yvonne. (laughs) I was like, you know, it's tough not because, you know, you know, it's cool to be mistaken for Pastor Yvonne from a distance. I I get it. But listen, there are four Zimbabweans in Doylestown and I am number four on the list. You know what I mean? I found out that I'm not the Beyonce of the Zimbabweans in Doylestown, or uh, that moment you realize that you are not Simon, you're Garfunkel. And I'm like, what? What is going on? I'm like, rejection is painful. You know, and, I, and even though that's funny, and it wasn't like super painful, I thought it was funny. I was like, thank you, ma'am. This will be in a sermon. But um, 
But, but we've all faced like rejection that is painful. And I'll tell you that the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, it is offensive. And when we carry this, the reality is you and I, if you seriously walk in the things of God, if you commune with God, if you have a relationship with God, if you speak the truth of the gospel, you'll find that in your life there will be people who reject you, gear up. That's something that's coming if they rejected Christ, they will reject us. Some will reject us. So let's check this out. We're gonna read here and we're gonna look at what it looks like and the things that I just wanna walk us through this passage um, from verse 28 on is what it looks like when we are communing with God, what it looks like when we're in deep fellowship and relationship with God. This is what it looks like. And so we find in this passage, these guys give us an an awesome example of, 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 of what that looks like and what that does not look like. I'll start here with, uh, with uh, this, this one thing, the first thing, is that when we are in relationship with God, here's the deal, when we are walking with him, it's not performance-based, but it's about being. It's not about the performance. We can't perform to get into God's good books. And we find that it's just about being. And verse 28, I'll, I'll read here, verse 28, it says, they replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? This was in light of seeing what Jesus had done last week, feeding the 5,000. We see that they, feeding the multitudes, we see that Jesus, the the, the people who have withstood and they've weathered a storm and come to Jesus, they want to do what Jesus can do. They want, they say, what we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And we find Jesus told them, that he told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? We find here that there are two questions that these people ask Jesus, and those two questions are all about performance. The first question is, how can we perform to get what you have? And then the next question is, hey, how can you perform for us to believe in you? And I'll tell you that if, we're, if, we are, if we're not communing with God, if we're not in deep relationship with God, we want this performance-based religion. And, and, and some of us, we grew up in places and homes, maybe with parents, maybe in school structures where it was all performance-based. Some of us, we grew up in a home where if you came back with good grades, it looked like your parents loved you more. So you started to figure out that the performance was gaining their love. For some of us, it's as if you had a good game. If you had a good game, it's like your dad really loved you that week. So, so some of us, the way we understand love is, is truly through performance, base, uh, perform, performance basis. And we become Christians and we take that on. Because the world is kind of performance based. Hey, if you do work, if you perform, bring the results, make the sales. Hey, most of you here, uh, you know, some of you are in pharmaceuticals, you know the deal. If you can sell as many drugs as you can, you are going to climb up the ladder. It's performance-based, and we take that on because in our culture, it's everywhere, but it's not in the gospel. Jesus says, the only work you must do, the only work is to believe. And they're like, how can we perform? And we find that, I love that when they get to the place where they go, we, 
we were, when they say, what can you do? Jesus, can you imagine these guys? This is, by the way, 24 hours after these guys had just had fish sandwiches grub hub to them by the Spirit. They, they go, what can you do? Jesus, I mean, and that, the response in there is like, is there a verse missing? Like, Jesus, like, guys, what did you have for dinner last night? Do you guys not remember what happened with the little boy and I was just throwing out these fish? You were there. That's why you're here. And they're like, what can you do? And here's the thing, when, when, when we are not in close relationship and, and our relationship, we're not communing with God, here's the deal, even God's relationship with us must be performance-based. God, you know what, that was yesterday. Today you must do something. Every time we come to church, God didn't show up if something doesn't happen. And we are all in this situation. If God doesn't fix my situation, then he's not really God. And we're walking in this reality that God has been working in your life, but he's got to perform for you to continue to believe. We don't just be. His presence, church, should be enough. His presence should be more than enough. You know, I've got little kids that, and they're under, they're under the age of six, There is no one in my life, except maybe the lady yesterday, there's no one in my life that's ever been as happy to see me on a consistent basis as those two little girls when I come home from work. When I come to the door, they're just like, Daddy, and they run, and they're like so amped that I'm there. I'm like, geez, this is awesome. And I can be rejected everywhere, and the reality is I don't have to have a present for them to appreciate my presence. I don't have to have a lollipop. They love, my, they love my presence. And in that, it just reminded me that, Rob, like when you're meeting with me, your father, your heavenly father, are you like those little girls? Is my presence enough? Is my presence enough? And so I love that in this passage, we, we see this. And, and I, you know, sometimes we, 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 we get into this habit of like, God, you must do something. And God's, you know, Jesus in that moment is like, the very breath that you're breathing, that's me. I'm holding it together. I am, I, am, I am providing for you right now. And we have to get back sometimes, church, to a place where we, where we go, Jesus, you're doing so much. I just wanna thank you that I'm awake today. I wanna thank you that I'm, more, I'm, I'm healthy today. I wanna thank you that I'm, I can walk. I wanna thank you, I can see, I can hear. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I don't wanna take this for granted. It is because of you and you alone. We find here, as the story continues, that it's not just the performance-based thing, but we find here, as we read on, is it's that if we're not communing in God, we, 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 we exalt the, the, the religious past, uh, and we exalt it overseeing the spiritual present. We find that these guys here, in verse 30, and to verse 32, they answered, show us a miracle, but in verse 31, it, it starts here, it says, after all our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So these guys are like, hey listen, you know what, Moses did something. Moses gave people manna in the desert, and, and, and when, we are, when we are stuck in the past, we can't see the awesome present. 
They missed Jesus who was in front of them because they were looking back at Moses and granted that they were, they, were, they were referring to something that you'll find in the Old Testament where they were like, okay, when the Messiah comes, he will provide manna just like Moses did. And so they were looking at that and focusing on the past, but they missed the present. They missed the amazing present that was in front of them. They had Jesus Christ in front of them. There, fully man, fully God. And they missed it because they were looking back. Now I love how Jesus just says the facts. And I hashtag facts. He's like, Moses didn't give you the bread. Actually, let me tell you who actually provided that bread. My father did. He doesn't, ex- even in that moment, it's not an exaltation of people, but always glorifying the father. That's what Jesus does. Always glorifies the father, always gives glory back to the father. You know, we can live and be stuck in the past I love it when it comes to, especially like worship music. I love it like, like in church, like people like, you know, why, why can't we go back to the days of singing Stephen Curtis Chapman songs and Petra? All right, and it's like, oh, do you know when Jesus was really moving when we were singing Jesus Freak by DC Tour? You know, that's, that's kind of where we are. Or maybe you go further back, you're like, Keith Green was when the Holy Spirit was really present in church. And we find that, here's the reality, when you were enjoying all of that and you were <laughs> listening to, Pe- I saw watching Petra, I don't know why I put this as well, like now I'm stuck in Petra world and I was petrified. But the reality is, you find yourself in a place where you keep looking back, but when you were looking at Keith Green there were people complaining, why can't we go back to this? And then when they were there, they were like, why can't we go back to when there were no guitars in church? Guitars are from the devil. And so you find that we, we keep looking back at a past that, 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 that's not really as awesome as it is. Some, some, some people come and say, I miss the old covenant. I miss the old covenant. And I miss it too. We were like, we were like yeah, we miss it. Yeah, but we, it's okay to miss it. But, but we can't miss it and then miss out. We can't miss out on what God is doing. God is doing something else. The gospel's on the move. Starts with the two letters go. The gospel is on the move. God is doing something. He's always doing something in people's hearts. He's always doing something through a people. And and, and, you know, looking at the past, that rear view mirror, it, it is limited vision. And it is targeted vision. We see what we wanna see back there. So everything is rosy. But the reality is this, they missed Jesus because they were looking back at the past. And we find here, as we carry on in this passage, that when we can commune with God, we can, we can handle the truth. Jesus, he then replies to them, because they say, sir, give us this bread then. Give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty but you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. How, however, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my father's will that all those who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus says this truth. Jesus says this truth. And you know, this truth is a hard truth to hear. I'll tell you why a little bit later, but, but first and foremost, I know that we've all had people in our lives and hopefully we have people in our lives that tell us the truth like it is. 
Hopefully we have people that we can receive the truth from. Because some of us, when we're told the truth, our response, and we have different responses, some of us, we bolt, we head for the door. Some of us, when we hear the truth, we, we, we ignore it. Some of us, when we hear the truth, we try and rationalize it and we make up our own stuff so that we can justify how we can live outside of that truth even though the truth is right there. And we find Jesus says this very hard thing to hear. Jesus essentially is saying, I am the way. In this passage, as we continue to read, you'll find that Jesus doesn't just say he is the way, he says he is the only way. Church, that is, that is even a jarring truth to hear right now in a church that we're full of people who, who say that they love Jesus. Jesus is the only way, is a hard truth. Because in our minds, we, we start to do those things. Either we bolt because we don't want to embrace the fact that Jesus is the only way, or we rationalize it, but Rob, really, what about the people who, and you put your fill in the blank there, and you start to think that Jesus as the only way is a hard truth for people to hear in a synagogue in Capernaum at the time. It's a hard truth for this guy to stand up in front of them and say, I am that bread. And Jesus says the truth. He says it like it is. And I love that in John, you keep on hearing this message that Jesus is the way. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, hear this, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. That Jesus is the only way. Can you imagine, even today, knocking on your neighbor's doors, going, knock, knock, hey, listen, I just wanted to let you know, Jesus actually is the only way. Next, da, 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 hi, hey, we brought apple pie. Jesus is the only way. What about goat yoga? Nope, no, no, it's not working. Jesus is the only way. Next, go, 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 knock on another door. And you find that, listen, we know what will happen. Some people will slam the door, what you mean? Some people will say, I don't believe that. You know I don't believe that. Some people will say, hey, you know, this it is a hard truth to tell. Make that your status update and just read the comments. It's a hard truth to tell and Jesus tells that truth. But some of us, we want Jesus the way only. Some of us, we want Jesus the life only. Some of us want Jesus the truth only, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't have them. You can't have the life or the way without the truth. And Jesus says, no one except through me. No one goes to the Father except through me. And here's the thing. When we face this hard truth, like these guys do in verse 41 and 42, as we'll read later, it says here, the people began to murmur in disagreement because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? When we hear the truth, we take away the spiritual element, the supernatural element, and we place the natural in there. Joseph represents the natural. Joseph represents Jesus' dad here on earth, not his dad in heaven. So we find that they go, hey, listen, this truth is a little bit hard to take, so we're gonna, we're gonna take away and strip away all authority that can be stripped away from Jesus. There's nothing amazing about Jesus, but when the fish sandwiches were being dished out, they never mentioned Joseph once. They didn't eat that sandwich and go, mm, isn't that Joseph's son? Because at that time, Jesus was filling what they wanted him to fill. But when he came with the truth, they went, hey, guys, amongst each other, murmuring, 
hey, isn't this just a regular old Jesus from down the way? Rationalizing the truth, trying to water it down, trying to, church, we're called, we're called to speak the truth. And I love, uh, one of my favorite pastors says this, he, he says, and we should handle the truth like a scalpel, not like a sledgehammer. If when we are speaking the truth, when we are saying these words, we must be, we must, we must say them, but we must say them with precision. And Jesus here, he says the truth, and he says it with precision. Jesus doesn't have identity issues. He doesn't water down who he is to make everyone else feel comfortable. He is who he is. He is the son of God. He can't fake it. He's, there's no other truth. He's just stating the facts. I am the bread of life. And we look at this and, and the people hearing him, the people who wanted something from him, the people who had received from him have now turned and they're trying to fit him in a box and they say, hey, isn't this Joseph's son? So we find in this passage that the goal for Jesus as he carries on in verse 52, his goal is not, his goal is not to do well in our lives and just fill our bellies, but his goal is to actually dwell in our lives. His goal is, Jesus' goal is to, to be king of our hearts. His goal is to actually be living in us. I find here as we read on, Jesus replied and he says, and now this is not there, which is why the Bibles are very useful that are under there. You can follow with that. It says, but Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, only I, who, has, who, has, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread of, from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. And the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus again said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because, the living, because of the living father who sent me in the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in, a, in the synagogue in Capernaum. It's a big chunk of scripture, but I must read all of that. Because Jesus wants to dwell in us. I think when you look at this story, and you look at this passage, I can imagine the disciples standing there as Jesus starts, and Jesus, and, and, and they came with Jesus. And as Jesus goes, they're looking at themselves, probably saying, ah, oh, he's doing the flesh and blood thing. Ah, oh, okay, he did it once. And he's like, okay, just once. Whew. We might be able to get out of this one. 
And then, oh no, Jesus is doing it again, unless he does it three times. You look at this passage of scripture, you're like, Jesus, you could have couched that better. You could have kind of explained that a little bit more. Jesus, I, I just brought my friend to church. This is his first time in the synagogue. And you're talking about eating your flesh and drinking your blood. Someone in here is probably thinking that. Someone woke up, Rob. Someone woke up at seven. They took a shower. They came to church, daylight savings. And the first thing is Mary's talking about people being martyred. And then the people in, with six packs fighting each other. What, what is this, a training camp? And then now the, the pastor's talking about this is a little cultish for me. They go and you find that we've had those moments. We've all had those moments, right? We were like, come on, please stop talking, Bob. It's my friend. You're talking about money today. My friend literally texted me. All the church wants is your money. Why are you talking about money? And they're going, Jesus, why are you talking about eating your cannibalism? Really? This is where we are. We are we're wearing t-shirts that say, I belong to Jesus. We can't escape. We got the lanyards, Jesus. And we've been there, church. We know the story that this, this truth that Jesus is saying, he's saying it in a synagogue. Jesus, that's not the right place or the right time either. And we find that Jesus is saying this, and he's saying this not literally eat my flesh, not literally drink my blood, but he's saying I must dwell in you. I must be alive in you. I must be what sustains you. You must take me in. It must be more than a high five and a selfie with Jesus. It must be a life with me. It must be everything. And when you look at this passage, he, he goes, it must be everything. Church, I, I, I was talking to a friend the other day, and actually last night, and they had a Harvard hat. And they had a Harvard, they gave me the Harvard hat. And, and, and it was like, and, and like, I didn't, you know, I got it at Harvard. I actually went to Harvard just so that I could get the Harvard hat. And I was laughing because I was like, when you wear it in Doylestown, people just think you went to Harvard. And even if people ask you, did you go to Harvard? You can say yes, and you're not lying. <laughs> yeah, when? Well, last week. Oh, so have you graduated? No. Yeah, but you said yes. Yeah, you said, did I go to Harvard? I said, yes. And that's the same thing. We probably wearing the Jesus hat. We're wearing it. People see us. Oh, you went to, yeah, 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 yeah. I went to church last week. Oh, but are you in a relationship with Jesus? Is he living in you? Some of us just have the Jesus cap on. But he wants to dwell in us, not the outside stuff. He wants to live in you. He wants to be the one who is the master and Lord of your life. You must take him in. And that's why even to some degree, even though this passage is not talking about communion, this is why this is what we do during communion. This is what we do. We say this is his body that was broken on the cross because Jesus is essentially saying, I am going, I am here for you. And people are complaining and murmuring but they're not outside of the invitation. Jesus is actually saying, you're invited. And they can't see that. He, he wants to live in us. He wants to live in us. He wants to live in us. He wants to live in you. And I love that Jesus says, anyone, everyone, anyone, anyone, anyone. So many times in this passage, that is you and me. The invitation is to all of us. He is in a place where the access to God is exclusive and he's saying, actually, this is for everyone. 
What an amazing, amazing invitation. And I love that Jesus says, I don't turn away those that I invite. He says, I will never reject those that the Father brings to me. He says, I never fumble. I don't drop the ball. I will not lose them. If they come to me, I got them. And I love that in this passage, Jesus says that I've got you. And we find here that as we, as, as we kind of get to the end of this passage in, in verse 60 to 66, it says that many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Does this offend you? And you know, when we're communing with God, we can stick through the offense. Church, we live in the most offended time, right? Everyone is offended. People are offended that they were offended by someone who offended that they offended. It's like offense is everywhere. People come to church, people go to work, people go on social media ready to be offended. We're wearing the, uh, I am ready to be offended. And, and, and then the, the reason that what happens with that as well is that we become people who are afraid to offend people. But if you are speaking the truth, the gospel, it is going to offend. It says that. Jesus says that. The truth, this, this gospel, it's, it's going to be foolishness to the Gentiles. There's someone who's gonna say you're a fool. I, I was thinking about this and people just trying not to offend you, trying not to offend you and so they start talking gibberish. Sometimes, I mean the other week, someone was trying, was speaking to me and they're trying not to say the word black. It was so weird. So weird, they, they couldn't find the words to describe what, what, what I'm like. They were like bouncing around. I was like, they were like, so you're an African-American Zimbabwe. I was like, that's impossible. I can't, like how many citizenship tests do I have to take to be an African-American Zimbabwe? I'm like, I'm not an African. I'm, it's like, they were struggling and I could, I could see they were trying not to offend me. And I've been in the lobby. Some of you, you're trying to describe the difference between Rob Bloss and Rob Chibuko, but you don't, you're like, well, he's a taller one. Or it's like, it's like or the hip one, the hip one, and that's confusing now, because what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? It's like, the shortest way to get there, the black one, okay, I get it. It's okay. But people are like, we're so scared, so we're tiptoeing, and we're so scared to offend people with the gospel, with the truth. And here's the thing, we, we, we stick through it. We, we know we can go through it. We know this, this is, this, we're resting in it. We know that we are no longer alive, but it's him who lives in us. If people are offended by me, they're really offended by Christ if I'm reading this. Not when I'm making this up, we ought to be able to speak the truth and not, and not water it down and not like, well, let's chop it up into little bits and then blend it and then maybe they'll accept it. But the reality is, or, or, or my favorite, my personal best, they will smell the sweet scent of Jesus on me and follow me to church. No, we must speak the truth. The truth must be spoken and lived out. And so you find here that, 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 that Jesus says this. He says, he says, this is gonna offend people. It offended, it offended his disciples. They rejected him. They walked away. And church, he makes a promise that none of you have ever made to me. He makes a promise that, that so many people in your life have never made to you. Jesus says, I will never reject you. In this passage, he says, I will never reject you. And we're afraid of people's rejection here 
When the one who said he will never reject us, we, we reject. Jesus says, don't complain, just believe. Guys, I will never reject those the Father brings to me. And then we see at the end here, I love what Peter says. I love what Peter says, verse 67 to the end here. He says, then Jesus turned to the 12. Are you also, are you, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we give eternal, we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. You know, Peter essentially says, I have no other option, there's no plan B. Jesus, I've seen, I've heard your words. I have no other plan. I, I, I've walked with you. And I know, like, I just have a plan A in you, Lord. Where, where could I go? Where else could I go, Jesus? We find that Peter is stepping into a place where he's saying, I know that you will never let me go, so I, will, I won't let you go. And we know Peter's story is that eventually he, he did deny Christ. Peter had his own moment of rejecting Jesus. You and I have probably had our own moments of rejecting Jesus when it was tough to stand. People, sometimes when we hear the story that Mary just spoke of and we think in our hearts, I don't know, maybe I'll rationalize that, maybe I'll stand there, maybe I'll kneel there and say, okay, Jesus, in my heart I'm not rejecting you but with my words I am so that I can live so that I can preach the gospel again to other people we rationalize that truth but the reality is Peter says I got no other option and so so what does this mean what does it look like Rob how do I know if I'm wearing the Jesus hat how do I know if he's dwelling in me I have to ask you is he is he is he the one that sustains you can you live without Jesus If Jesus was taken out of the equation today, would your life be normal? If tomorrow we couldn't gather for whatever reason, and they said you can't go to church, we're canceling all large gatherings of people, would you still have Jesus present in your life, or is this your only Jesus moment? That's how you know whether or not you're wearing the hats or he's dwelling in you. And Jesus says this, and we find that Jesus is saying, you have to take me and I have to live in you. And I, and I love in James chapter 1, 21, it says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Jesus wants to dwell in you and save you. Jesus wants to dwell in you and give you life. And I I know this church because even as I close today, I, I know that we can receive Christ, but we must continue to take him in daily. We must continue to look to him to sustain us, to keep us alive. Um, I have a little Ziploc here, and, and it, has, it has all my medicine that I have to take. I take ta- 17 tablets a day. And yes, I received an organ transplant that saved my life, but these tablets continue to sustain that life-saving organ so that my flesh doesn't destroy it, so that my immune system doesn't destroy it. The very thing that gives me life, my body is trying to kill. The very thing that gives you life, which is Jesus, your flesh is trying to bury, and yet he is the one who sustains you. So I have no plan B for my medication. And I know someone out here is saying, well, if you tried the sage and the myrrh essential oil and put it in an ultra, no, I'm gonna take my chances with the medicine, thanks. It is my only option. And just like this medicine is my only option to sustain the life that is, that is in me, is Jesus your only option? And is taking his word daily, walking with him daily, is that 
what's sustaining the life in you. Church, it is the only way. And this morning, I want us to be reminded of that. As we go, we, we gotta ask Jesus to dwell in us. We gotta take this word and we gotta allow it to live in us daily. We gotta set an alarm if we have to. Allow him, not to perform, but to invite him to commune with us, to have a deep relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it nourishes us, it gives us life. We thank you, Lord, that your body broken for us. Lord, has given us new life, and we've taken that new life. Lord, I pray that we, we look to you to sustain us, Lord, more than bread itself, more than the meals that we, we know give life to our bodies, Lord. We pray that you would be the life giver, Lord, that you would be the one, Lord. And pray we'll be deeply rooted in this truth. I would stick, would stick through it when it's hard, would stick through it when it's difficult, when it's countercultural. I will stick through it when it's offensive. Lord, that we would just know your heart and know that you will never reject us. You are the one who calls us. We pray, Lord, as we worship, continue to do a work in our hearts as we continue to worship, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you don't miss any new content.